Candice Richards and I'm the current president of the Society of Mediterranean Archaeology. In this podcast I'm going to sit down and chat with our friends in archaeology, in classics and in science to find out what current research is happening in the Mediterranean region. Today I'm talking with Dr Craig Barker. He's the current director of the Paphos Theatre Archaeological Project, he's my predecessor as server president and of course he's the manager of education and public programs at Sydney University Museums. Welcome Craig. Thank you for having me. So I think to start off with today, especially as this is episode one of our new SOMA podcast, and as your tenure as president of the Society of Mediterranean Archaeology for the past 17 years. Yes, president for life almost. What is it that SOMA is? The Society for the Society of Mediterranean Archaeology, SOMA, has a really interesting backstory in many ways because it was a student-led organization and, and body. Um, and it developed in the late 1990s, um, actually, as, uh, as a way for uh, an organisation that then existed called the Foundation for Classical Archaeology. Um, and I think that they felt that much of their membership was getting quite elderly at that point in time. So the concept was to actually you know, um, create a, a young student organisation to bring a bit of you know, fresh blood and fresh ideas, um, which, is, which is how we were established. But eventually when that foundation um, um, folded, what happened was we decided to keep on going and created this new organisation called SOMA, which was very much um, focused on the whole concept of promoting Mediterranean archaeology in all of its forms to the student body of the University of Sydney. So it was kind of nice. It was set up to be an organisation by students for students. and. Um, Whilst most of us on that initial committee have ended up going on to careers in archaeology or, or classics in one form or another, um, I think that we're all still very much dedicated to this idea of student involvement in our projects and student involvement in our research, and SOMA is meant to reflect that. And that's definitely what we're trying to do with our podcast as well, is to try and take that idea about SOMA um, to spreading the word of the current research as far and as wide as possible to make sure that students feel connected, to make sure the University of Sydney campus community that really loves and, and thrives in Mediterranean archaeology have an avenue to talk about and discuss about their research. Yeah. So I really appreciate you joining me for oh, our I, first episode I, today. I, I feel very honoured to be number one. But I mean, the lovely thing about this too is that um, you know, reaching people interested in archaeology outside of um, that university community as well too. So it's nice to have them along. Absolutely. So one of the flagship programs of SOMA is the Owen Tudor Jones Scholarship. Now, the Owen Tudor Jones Scholarship is rewarded each year to a deserved applicant as an undergraduate student who is travelling to the Mediterranean, possibly for their first time, to participate in archaeological fieldwork. So given that this is such an important um, aspect of SOMA, who was Owen Tudor Jones? Owen Tudor Jones was one of the stalwarts of um, the Australian Archaeological Institute at Athens's projects, um, firstly at Zagara and then later on at Taroni. Um, and um, Owen um, had a remarkable life, um, um, an absolutely remarkable woman um, through the various things she achieved in, in, throughout the decades of her life, but came to the University of Sydney as a mature age student, um, um, fell passionately in love with with archaeology, worked with Alexander Cambidoglou um, as his research assistant and oversaw a lot of the um, 
the processing of material for publication from the first 1960s excavations at Zagara, and then actually worked in the pot shed um, and with the team effectively as the house mother in the Taroni digs in the 1980s and early 1990s. So there was an entire generation of Australian classical archaeologists who, you know, she oversaw and, you know, on an excavation when you're perhaps drunk a little bit much or you've broken up with your boyfriend and girlfriend back home or mm. all those sort of things. And she was kind of the house mother. And so it was this lovely reflection of the fact that uh, she had this long tradition of encouraging undergraduate students while she was alive. Um, and when she passed away in 2001, around about the time that Soma was founded, it seemed to us a very appropriate way to honour her memory um, and to continue doing what she did in life, which was this encouragement. Um, we've always believed with Soma that you know, if, if we were an organisation that was meant to promote the concepts of archaeology of the Mediterranean region to the student body, um, the best way to do that was to actually have students go out and do Mediterranean archaeology and Mediterranean historical fieldwork and research projects. So this scholarship is a great way for us to give back and to, to encourage and nurture that next generation of, of um, students. And I think, I think Owen would have been really, really honoured to, um, to see what she was doing when she was working at Taroni um, continue on and on and on. So, I mean, you touched on that just a moment ago with, you know, SOMA and the scholarship quite specifically trying to encourage um, young students to get practical field work in the Mediterranean region. Why is it that you think that's so important? Because archaeology is one of those subjects that um, you can learn in the classroom. We're all taught in the classroom and, and, and studied in the classroom, but you really need to get in and do it. Um, and I think it's one of those things too for Australian students. We do have the tyranny of distance, although of course you know, airfares are so much easier now than they were decades ago. But um, unlike European students and, and indeed even students from universities and colleges in the United States that can have relatively easy access to Mediterranean-based excavation, um, it's much, much harder for Australians. So the concept of the scholarship was just to give a leg up, to, you know, to provide some funds to assist with accommodation, to assist with airfare, to assist with excavation fees and so on. And the other lovely thing was that, that by trying to keep it as broad and as open as possible, that it meant that students, you know, if you're interested in Jordan, if you're interested in Greece, if you're interested in Cyprus, if you're interested in Spain, it was all el eligible to you. That um, what we wanted was to encourage keen um, and enthusiastic students with the appropriate project for them. And so your project where you're the director of the Paphos Theatre Archaeological excavations in Cyprus has obviously taken a lot of students for their very first dig overseas. It was definitely my first dig overseas was, was on that project. And what is it, it do you too, think <laughs> and what is it do you think about um, the Mediterranean that that lures us in? What what is it that drew drew you to the Mediterranean? Oh well I mean look but more on a on a broader ish you know a broader perspective um, issue of so many of us being passionate about the cultures that grew up in antiquity around the Mediterranean Sea, um, that we've been very fortunate at the University of Sydney that we've had these dynamic teachers and lecturers that have inspired generations of students in archaeology and in classic and ancient history, that, um, that you, you, you go to these inspirational classes and you just want to become involved and you want to do more that through organisations like the Australian Archaeological Institute of Athens that we have a long tradition of 
field work projects in country by Clarice, in Cyprus, in Jordan, um, that the University of Sydney is directly participating. So that sense of um, sort of a natural environment of going from undergraduate to uh, going from undergraduate classes to actually participating in the field makes perfect sense. From my personal perspective, of course, um, the Mediterranean does get under your skin. Hmm. Um, that when you find yourself swimming in those waters, you just want to go back and back and back, and you can see why. You can see why so many people fall in love with their particular areas. And again, I think that all of us have our own, you know, I'd happily work anywhere, to be honest. I'd, I'd give me a trail and I'll dig anywhere. But, um, you know, Cyprus has become my passion in the past two decades. Um, I know that, you know, some of our colleagues feel the same way about Greece or about Turkey or about Jordan mm-hmm. or about Egypt. Um, it's that lovely thing of finding your niche, your your second home. And f- for me, Paphos in particular, but Cyprus more generally, has become my second home, that I belong there. Um, and that it's about the good friends, the good experiences, and about this really interesting research that, that we, as Australian researchers, we as Australian students of, of ancient cultures, can participate in this remarkable level. So long may it continue. So... The research that you're currently undertaking is as director of the Paphos Theatre Archaeological Project. Um, I know you're going overseas uh, again this year in October for another field project. What What are the current research questions that you're working on there? Well, I should talk a bit about what the Paphos Project is, uh, yeah. firstly. So um, our excavation was founded in 1995 by Emeritus Professor Richard Green, and my mentor, and again, actually one of the great supporters of SOMA as well when we were founded. Uh, Dick Green um, is an expert in ancient theatrical performances and um, and the iconography of the way that theatre is represented in various art forms in both a classical and Hellenistic and indeed Roman context as well. So the concept of, and I did, I should actually say, the University of Sydney has a long and very, very distinguished tradition of studying ancient dramatic performances and ancient, um, you know, ancient performance more generally. So it was kind of a logical step that at some point in time the University of Sydney would be involved in the excavation of the theatre. The, the site where we're working at in Paphos, um, on the southwest corner of Cyprus, is the ancient theatre, and more broadly the surrounding precinct of that area of the ancient theatre. The theatre itself is your traditional Greek form, so with the rows of seating carved in a semicircular shape into the side of a hill, the very northwestern corner of the ancient city, um, the ancient walled city of Paphos in our case with all of the usual features architecturally, an orchestra, a stage building, the paradoi, the ceremonial entranceway. What's lovely about our particular theatre was that it was used as a venue for performance for over 600 years, for about six and a half centuries. Would have been constructed around about 300 BC in the aftermath of Alexander the Great's conquest of the Eastern Mediterranean and that real cultural mixing which distinguishes the Hellenistic period in that part of the world, this sense of bringing in Hellenic ideas such as theatre, um, but mixing it with those much older Egyptian and Levantine and Cypriot-based cultural traditions. 
Um, the theatre itself expands and changes through time. Over the two decades of excavation, we've found some remarkable stratigraphic evidence and some remarkable architectural evidence that reflects that development. The Roman theatre in particular is incredibly significant. We're aware of at least five different phases of the theatre's history. And during the middle second century BC, I argue that Paphos is one of the most significant towns in the entire eastern Mediterranean. The theatre is reflecting that. Um, the building is facaded with marble. It has adornments of sculptures of the imperial family. We have uncovered the largest marble inscription ever found on the island of Cyprus, over 12 metres in length, which is dedicated to Antonius Pius and Marcus Aurelius, the Roman emperors. So a period of profound um, wealth, a period of profound change, and this is reflected in public architecture, such as, such as the building. And later on, if we have time, I can talk about some of the other things that are happening outside of the theatre as well. But, um, you know, over the years of excavating this site, we're getting a really comprehensive understanding of the way that performance impacted upon the daily lives of the citizens of this town. It just happened to be the, the capital of the island in the Hellenistic and Roman periods as well, too. You've identified all of these really significant uh, phases of the theatre, and you have as a team been excavating for nearly 20 years. How have your research questions changed over that time? I think when we first started the question, the predominant question was about the, the, the architecture of the theatre itself, the size and dimensions of the theatre itself, and any evidence which would give us indication of the changing nature of performance. Um, one of the things that we did not expect to find when we first started working there was considerable evidence of the site being used for post-theatrical activity. The theatre itself destroyed by earthquakes in probably around about 365 AD. Mm -hmm. But what we have is, is, is centuries of, of uh, occupation in late antiquity and then considerable crusader period occupation as well too. So it's ended up becoming one of the most significant crusader period sites in all of Cyprus um, in terms of some of the material culture that we've been finding. Um, clear evidence of local pottery, um, glazeware manufacture on or near the site, for example. None of those types of research questions we were expecting when we first started digging. Yeah. We were expecting just to find a Roman, potentially Hellenistic theatre. Um, on top of that, um, I've taken over the running of the project in around about 2007. And, and from that point onwards, one of the things that we've been trying to do is to place the theatre within its broader context as well. Um, so we were aware that there was a road to the south of the theatre. We've been slowly excavating that in more recent seasons. And um, we now know that this was a, a Roman road of the second century, um, paved with rather large uh, pavement stones. And it was uh, over eight metres wide. So it's a significant thoroughfare, which makes sense because obviously mm. you need to be able to get eight and a half thousand audience members in and out during dramatic performances. We've uncovered a nymphaeum, a Roman water house. We are very, very close to the ancient city gate, um, which would have um, been the major pilgrims route for worshippers going to worship Aphrodite at the nearby sanctuary. In more recent years, we've uncovered a post-theatre, probably medieval building to the rear on the top of the hill, um, which I'm currently suspecting may well have been a, a sugar warehouse. Um, so it's, it's that sense, and I suspect that there's a temple very close nearby as well too, which is a, an area of future research, but 
it's this sense of not just excavating and understanding a building, but rather the entire urban context mm. and how that building engaged and uh, reflected contemporary um, um, urban layout design. And I think one of the things that especially I've been thinking about, as you've talked to me in the past about, about the theatre and about the theatrical precinct, is thinking about this kind of area of Paphos as in as Broadway. It, it's not just about a single theatre and it's not just about a single performance space, but rather, you know, Broadway the, the is such an active, it's got nightlife, it's got uh, people, it's got food, it's got booze, it's got... It's got a bit of everything in that in that region, and and how do you kind of, you know, imagining imagining that kind of height of Roman decadence, and and when Paphos is such a wealthy um, town in, in the second century, the, is there artifacts and finds that you've kind of come across that might suggest what you know the the Paphian life was like at that theatrical precinct? Well, I mean, we are getting a lot of. A lot of ceramic and other material which is reflective of contemporary daily life so um, a lot of bowls and vases that are associated with food consumption a lot of amphora um, that I mean again Paphos is a major maritime trade um, harbour so engaging and with that international connections particularly with Alexandria in Egypt as well too so but just I think the pause there for a second Craig and explain amphora to people who might not know what an amphora is everybody just everybody should know what amphora are an amphora is a ceramic container used for transporting and storing wines and other forms of liquids. And um, um, uh, Cyprus in particular, again, being a key maritime, um, or being an island, so uh, being um, so involved in maritime trade routes, but Paphos in particular is an incredibly mm. rich area for the study of amphora, both of the Hellenistic period, which was my own PhD topic, um, but also of uh, in the Roman and later periods as well. So mm. it's ubiquitous material, but what it reflects is the fact that you know wine is a part of life, food is a part of life, which is the case with modern Cyprus as well too. Um, but it's it's lovely seeing these types of objects um, from antiquity that just in you know archaeology is about people, and this really nicely reflects that. But I think that our road, you know, we we have wheel ruts um, where. You know the the traffic has actually worn into it, and so you you would have had a lot of bustle, you would have had a lot of movement. The Nymphaeum, I can see people splashing their faces after you know the sixteen kilometre pilgrims route. That you know it's quite a hike back from Palia Paphos from the sanctuary of, of Aphrodite. So you're coming back into a controlled urban environment. The Romans were all about control of nature. They've got uh, aqueducts and viaducts bringing water over long distances. They're controlling where the water goes, and you're splashing water in your face and cooling down in this artificial environment as well. So it would have been quite an extraordinary city. I'd love to have met its artists and just go back and have a look at it for a few moments. <laughs> I mean, moving on a little bit to to what it's like to excavate there. I mean, you know, I I first went to Paphos ten years ago now. Um, in 2007 and you know was contributed to excavating that Roman road um, so for for those who might be potential diggers who might want to come along to to Paphos in the future what's it actually like physically digging in, in that site well I mean it's it's an interesting site in many ways and in terms of practicality I know we've got something of a reputation amongst the students we're the club med of um, <laughs> Sydney University's digs but in large part because um, we are in the middle of the modern town of Paphos, which is a major tourist destination. 
Um, so there are all bars and restaurants and hotels and all of the you know, all of the other features associated with that type of Mediterranean tourist town. Um, but it's actually lovely that this World Heritage listed archaeological site, and it's not just our theatre, but also some some amazing other um, features that are literally on the doorsteps of all of these hotels. Um, uh, it's lovely too because there are so many other international and local Cypriot-based projects working in and around Paphos. So we have very good working relationships with our colleagues and peers from Poland and from France and from Italy and from other other universities that are working there as well. So that's nice. Um, but uh, again, we're doing all the physical work at the site. We don't have local laborers. So the students and the volunteer members of the public who work with us um, do the actual digging. Um, that can be everything from you know, heavy spade work and, uh, and uh, hose and wheelbarrows through to more delicate troweling, depending upon where we are within the stratigraphy. Um, because Paphos is in a major earthquake zone, because the theatre itself was destroyed by earthquake in the end and indeed would have suffered earthquake damage at numerous times, we have a lot of tumble. Uh, we have a lot of large stone architectural blocks that have collapsed over the over the centuries, so often we need to move those. So um, you know, over the years, and you'll see on our website some fantastic photographs of the bipod that was uh, developed by one of our team members a number of years ago, a way of lifting these large architectural blocks out of you know two meter deep trenches. So uh, periodically, everyone will stop work on site to actually you know tie themselves up to a bit of rope and um, and uh, use the pulley system. <laughs> um, so it's 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 an interesting project physically, I mean also um, given the sloping nature of the caveat of the seating that um, you know I can, I can tell you from personal experience that when you were digging up in those trenches in the early days, very good for your thigh muscles because <laughs> you, were, you were digging um, up sideways. So you were really um, stretching yourself. But um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting project because we're yeah, where, we where we stay is so close nearby, where we're doing the, um, the study and the, the, the processing of the finds is on site. Um, and there's actually something quite lovely about you know just sitting sorting pottery underneath the the shade provided by the trees. So um, you're going over again for another season this year in October. Yep. What are your expectations this year? Well, it's an interesting season for us in a number of ways. The first one is the 2017 Paphos is actually the European cultural capital. So there has been a whole program of uh, remarkable art and cultural events taking place. Um, I've just seen some photographs on Facebook only this morning of, um, of uh, a performance by Japanese drummers. So one of the exciting things about this particular season is the extracurricular activities outside of the digging. The team is gonna get a chance to engage with some um, absolutely astonishing art. Um, we're actually contributing to the program as well. So from the first, uh, sorry, from the second to the 15th of October, we have an exhibition co-curated by our artist in residence, uh, Professor Diana Wood Conroy and myself. Um, and it is an exhibition called Travelers from Australia. Over the two decades that we've been working there, we've had a large number of contemporary Australian artists come and actually work on the site and um, be inspired. And so this is very much a, a retrospective exhibition of that work over the years. So that's one thing. Second thing is that there's actually an international conference on the archaeology of uh, the entire west coast of Cyprus tying in with the Paphos 2017 celebration. So 
there'll be some really interesting intellectual stimulation for the team. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, um, again, it's a further collaboration between our mission and all of the other missions that work there. In terms of the actual field work, I'm currently envisaging three trenches, um, working around the area of the road that we mentioned before and of this large post-theatrical um, post building to the rear of the theatre. Um, I've also got a rather interesting question about a, a set of staircases that I think are somehow associated with the theatre. So hopefully we can talk about that next podcast. Um, I can let you know where the stairs go to. <laughs> but uh, 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 there's also a lot of um, processing of finds for more recent seasons. Uh, we're working towards final publication of the first decade of, of the project. Um, and a big, big project, which is uh, uh, basically improving our storage facilities for long-term research and long-term access to the material. So we're going to be there for four weeks, but it'll be a very busy four-week season. Definitely a lot going on. Definitely a lot going on. So I suppose, Craig, we should uh, wrap it up here. Um, I'm very conscious of the fact that we haven't even had a chance to talk about uh, your research at the Tomb of the Kings uh, necropolis that's just outside of the city walls of Paphos. Uh, we definitely want to follow up with some more questions maybe during the season while you're in Paphos and I think definitely we could uh, set up another podcast episode sometime soon. Yeah, we can do something from the site perhaps. I think it'll be good. So if you want to find out more about the Paphos Theatre Project, you can go to www.paphostheatre.org and on there, there's even a tea towel that you can purchase to support the ongoing research and excavations of the Paphos Theatre. If you would like to find out more, get in touch with us that way. So that wraps up today's episode of the SOMA podcast. Thank you for joining me. If you want to find out more about our activities, what events are coming up and the projects that we are supporting, you can find out more at our website www.soma-archaeology.weebly.com Thanks for joining us. The music used in our podcast is titled Thinking Music by Kevin MacLeod. 